Random Inks Productions and the Credible Nerds present the fourth Taviran, a Wheel of Time podcast. Welcome, fellow Wheel of Time fans. This is the fourth Taviran, a Wheel of Time podcast. My name is Justin, and as always, I have my fellow Taviran with me, Mark. Hey, guys, how's it going? And today we'll be covering chapters 39 through 44 in book one, The Eye of the World. Uh, This book was written by Robert Jordan in 1990, or at least it was published in 1990. And this is book one of the epic Wheel of Time fantasy series, which ended up to be, what, 15 books total? Yeah. So a lot of material to cover, and we're still in book one. So stay tuned and keep listening to the rest of our episodes as we record and publish them here on the 4th Taviran. So last time we talked about how Rand and Matt ended up making it to the Queen's Blessing in Camelin, then how eventually um, the rest of the group caught up with them. And they also met Loyal and Ogier, who is coincidentally staying at the Queen's Blessing. And uh, Matt was still under the influence of the dagger. And so he was sleeping a lot and kind of grumpy. And so uh, this is where we end up at this point. So so these chapters are some of my favorites in this book. We meet some more characters um, for the first time, some major characters that are present throughout the rest of the series and have major storylines and have major plot points throughout the rest of the series. So at this point, you don't know it, but at the time when I first was reading it, I was really intrigued by this part, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But for you, Mark, what was your first impressions, if you remember, of these few chapters of Matt and Rand and the group here in Camelin? Uh I think it was awesome because, I, I mean, for me as a reader, I was already blown away with the wonder of this new city, right? I mean, they before that, it's all running through forests, little towns here and there, you know, in a ship, whatever. But now we're in a big city. And, and so for me, this this whole part was just fun. You know, it was like the story's picking up. And we really get some good back and forth here with different characters you know we're introduced to Loghain who comes in and I mean you don't even realize how important this part is with him until much later in the series uh you you know you get to meet Aleda who is is a big part of the series you get to meet you know they go through this these things called the ways and there's all these things that are such have such huge implications to the series you just don't know it yet and and so as a reread, this part's even better, right? Because you you understand those implications. But as a first read, it was even, it was cool because it, it's all mysterious, you know. Like, uh, you know, ooh, what's what's a foretelling? What's going on? What, what are these things called the ways? And why are they dark? And it, it's just so, you know, like such a draw in for the book and and exciting. And you know, you're like you're opening the door to a to the next part of the book where like the introduction's now finished. We've been introduced 40 chapters in, right? And now we're, we're, we're going and 
it, it really starts to all come together. You know, it doesn't feel like you're trying to find out what's going on. You know what's going on, and now you're reading. You know, you know, you're reading about it and and experiencing it with them, as opposed to just be like, what is going on? You know, why is these guys running from wolves and there's these white cloaks everywhere? You know. Yeah, especially like you said on the reread, you really appreciate what you're reading in, in these few chapters, basically from here on out. But uh, these these chapters are they lay a great foundation for a lot of the relationships, a lot of the um, main topics that are discussed later on in the series. So yeah, it's great to revisit them. Um, if you haven't, this is your first uh, read and you're following along, uh, you're in for a great ride, great story. So. We'll start off with chapter 39 called Weaving of the Web. And the chapter icon is the Lion of Andor. The point of view is Rand. And like we said, it's in the city of Camelin. And the main characters are Rand, Matt, Basil Gill, the, the innkeeper, Loghain. And then there's this dirty, stinky beggar who chases Rand. So um, so Rand, like you said earlier, he's him and Matt are in this inn, the Queen's Blessing. And Matt's all grumpy and doesn't want to do anything. So Rand decides he's going to go out and see this false dragon that people have been talking about for the past few days. That he's coming to Camelin. He was captured by the Red Aja. And he's coming to Camelin to, for everybody to see how powerful the Aes Sedai are. They caught him. They gentled him. You know, they're in control. So it's a show of power for the, the Aes Sedai, especially the Red Aja, who that's their job is to you know, chase down these dragons, these false dragons, and gentle them, uh, find men who can channel, and rid them of their ability to channel, because they're dangerous. And we did an episode a while back about um, the Aes Sedai and the different Ajas. We spent some time talking about the Red Aja, so if, if you want to refresh on what they do or learn more about what they, they're all about, as well as the other Ajas, go back and check that out. Uh, I think it's just titled, titled The Seven Ajas or, you know, something pretty obvious like that. So make sure you check that out. But uh, Rand, he he's feeling adventurous. He goes out in amongst the crowd. He's mingling with everybody. He notices there's the two different factions, the you know, the ones that have the red bandana or the red coverings and then the white ones. And he tries to stay with his group, but um, he ends up going down to the main main area. He's, you know, everybody's lined up along the street, kind of like a parade. That's what's going to happen. They're going to parade Loghain, the false dragon, down the street up to the palace. So he, he's trying to get the best view he can, and he's standing there. And there's this beggar that comes. Um, he he sees Rand, and he makes a beeline towards him. And he's so dirty and stinky and disgusting that everybody is getting out of his way. And... In a in a situation where no one's moving and no one wants to give ground, it's fairly obvious as the as the beggar crosses the crowd, he's coming towards Rand. He sees him, and he knows he's got to get away from that guy. Did you think uh, this beggar? I always thought I can't remember if it was the first time I read it or subsequent subsequent rereads that I thought that it was Pat and Fane. Did you take that from? From this, or was it a, just a completely different person? Uh, I don't remember what I thought. I just thought, like, whoa, what's this? What's this beggar's problem? But I, I don't remember if I was like, if I thought it was Pad and Fane or what. I think I, we 
we later find out who it is, right? Not well, at least not in these chapters. He shows up. Pat and Fane, spoiler alert, he shows up later. And they're kind of in the same state, like dirty and stinky and stuff. So that's I think that's where I made the connection that, you know, that beggar from Camelin was Pat and Fane. But. Yeah, I I think that's I mean I just assumed with through later rereads it was always Pad and Fane. I I guess it never might not technically ever say, but just from what you hear, what Pad and Fane's doing and going on, you know, from future re- books and ch- chapters, that you can kind of infer that's who it is. But I just thought it was just cr- like you knew it was a dark friend of some sort. That's right. you know, but you just didn't know who. Yeah. So. Yeah, he's so Rand sees him. He's like, "Oh, I got to get away from this guy. He's bad news." So he tries to find a different place to see the dragon. And he ends up getting farther and farther away, and then he's like, "Man, this this isn't gonna work." So he he eventually goes around this corner and he climbs up this this hill, and he gets this better viewpoint. But then he's like, "Well, if I climb to the top of this wall, I'll have the better viewpoint." So he gets up there, right as Loghain starts to come past, you know in front of his view that he could see out there. And this is where we get our first look at Loghain. And everyone expected, or at least Rand expected, that he would be this beaten character. He's you know, he's chained and thought that he would be um, just defeated and have no hope. But that is the opposite of what we see with Loghain here in this situation. Uh, what was your thoughts and perspective on seeing Loghain for this this guy that we've been hearing about for chapters pretty much since the beginning of the book. We finally get to see him. What, do you, what were your thoughts on that? I mean, the way they bring him in, I mean, they parade him around, right, as this sign of I said I dominance, right? Like, look, we caught this guy. But what they really do is they magnify who he is. Right. They they almost glorify like and set him on a pedestal. I mean, he comes in and he's treated like bigger than a king. I mean, the crowd goes quiet as he passes by. He's surrounded by some of the best warriors, the warders, uh, you know, that you can ask for. He's shielded by a full complement of 13 Aes Sedai. I mean, this guy is basically given the the treatment and deference of almost a godlike figure. And then they're all thrown for a surprise because the guy just starts laughing like a madman, you know, and I just remember reading this as like, holy cow, like this guy must have been something else, you know, and later we find out what the laughing was about. Right. And, uh, you know, kind of spoil here. I don't know how much it spoils, but, you know, he he sees Rand and he laughs. And later in the books, we find out that he's laughing because he saw Rand for what he was and he knew that they basically had the wrong guy and that this guy would do more than he ever would. And, you know, so I, after I, that all came together, I always wondered, Oh, so could Loghain, Loghain see Taverin as well? Because I, you know, um, Aleda could, right. And Moraine, it seems like maybe she had a little bit of the ability, but noticing Taverin wasn't, is kind of a talent. So I'm like, oh, so, but how powerful must his talent be where he could just see a guy off in the crowd where, you know, um, Elida or Elida was kind of like squinting, like, wait, what am I seeing here? And uh, so it was kind of interesting, but, you know, he just throws his head back and laughs and 
uh, you know, this crowd is just like, what? You know, this guy's crazy. You know, not only is he the most dangerous kingly character ever, he is crazy. And it, it was a it was a cool chapter because you just you've spent 39 chapters reading about, you know, hearing about Loghain, hearing about this dragon reborn. And now he's here, you know, at the seat of one of the most powerful nations in this world. So it's just it's just a cool part. I can't remember. Do they gentle him when they captured him, or were they taking him to the tower, Tar Darvalin, to to be gentled there? Because if they Correct, were shielding yeah. him, he probably wasn't. Yeah, as far as I know, they hadn't gentled him yet. Okay. I I think when um, it doesn't say when, but Matt runs into him right in book three or two and he then he is gentled right but i don't think he's gentled now i mean he's got the you know because he's being shielded and it says right in the book that he's being shielded so you have to assume he's not i i wonder why not i wonder if there's like a certain ceremony you do to to cut someone from the source or or what but i mean who knows yeah okay so Rand sees Logan. he sees him laughing he's like he can't have the same thoughts that you did is like wow this guy is bad news <laughs> you know he, he doesn't even phase him that he's being shielded there's the eyes that eye and the warders all around him so he's standing there and then he's ends up he's on the wall he ends up slipping or something breaks and he falls over to the other side on the other side of the wall he knocks gets it gets knocked out so that's the end of the chapter uh, let me ask you a question yeah. sorry you know veering up how much of that was this whole setup to him falling how much is it was that pure to because if you look at like what happens of it you know the foundation it sets for the future is that you think that's all to like that was the uh pattern writing itself like he didn't he basically wouldn't have had a choice the pattern moved him where he needed to be yeah i would say so because it's too big of a coincidence right it's um one thing led to another to another, so there were steps that were taken that pushed him in that direction. You know, with the first thing was the beggar pushing him out of the the main part of the crowd down the street, and then there was this group of whites, um, people who had the white bandana on, and they're like, "Oh, look at that guy! He's wearing red. Let's go get him!" So then he's running from those guys. You know, so one thing led to another to another, and he ended up getting on that wall to see Logan. Mm -hmm. And it's like the one wall that leads to where it leads. It's not guarded by a guard, which is weird because it's the lowest part of the wall, right? Like there's just all these random things that are just like, wait a minute. Uh, and then then he lands, right? He gets knocked out and he lands. And lo and behold, like, I mean, you enters three people that be, are huge major parts of the story. Yeah. In my mind, it's Tavirin stuff so yeah chapter 40 the web titans the chapter icon is the flame of tarvalin which is usually the Sedai symbol that's used in these chapters point of view is rand they're in the royal palace the characters are rand and then new characters are introduced elaine gawain galad talonvor morgaze elida and gareth Bryn. All huge, huge characters. So <laughs> if you're reading this for the first time, this is a, a chapter that you need to pay attention to and maybe 
reread some some paragraphs if your mind starts to wander. But <laughs> so, like you said, he falls into the other side of the wall, which ends up being the the palace gardens, and he meets these these people. First off, he meets uh, Elaine and her brother Gawain. They're in there, and at first he doesn't realize where he's at, and Rand doesn't. So he's just and he sees that, you know, hey, there's this really pretty girl and there's this guy who's her brother and he's talking to him and he re- he reveals that he's from the two rivers and that he, you know, just happened to, to fall in. And he had a, a like a cut on his head. And so Elaine was tending that and there's an instant attraction from Elaine and, and Rand as well. Elaine is really, she steps up. She's like, hey, I, I like this guy. At least that's the impression we get since we're not in her head thinking or reading what she's thinking. So uh, when I reread this recently, I thought it was a little, this part wasn't tough here. And I think it was a little too contrived, but it moved the story along. So I don't know. I just, I find it hard to believe that you know, the Elaine, the daughter heir, is all of a sudden, hey, there's a stranger that's, you know, he's a friend. who's automatic. He's just a friend. You know, she was sticking up for him. Um, later on, the their half-brother, Galad, comes in, and he's known for being annoyingly right all the time. Like, he'll do the right thing no matter what or who it hurts or what happens. It's always, you know, whatever the right choice is. He does it. It's like lawful good type thing. And he he comes in and Elaine immediately sticks up for him. Maybe that was part of it. You know, um, she's always going to take the opposite side of Galad. So if he's saying, hey, we need to arrest him, she's going to say no just because he's saying it. But for you, Mark, what was, like, was that part, did it flow good? Was it, did it feel right or did it feel contrived? Or kind of what were your thoughts on Rand meeting Elaine and Gawain? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's almost a little forced, right? I, I think that, I mean, Elaine's young at this point, right? What are they, like 16, 17 years old? Something like that, maybe 18. I don't know. They're pretty young. Um, and probably she sees this guy who drops in, who looks a little wild, looks a little whatever. He's wearing the red, you know, he's got the red sash, which is supporting of his, her mother. Um, definitely, I think something had to do it with Gallad. Uh, Galad being like, hey, uh, you know, we got to call, we got to get the soldier, you know, the guard over here and arrest this man. And, you know, she's going to take the opposite. But I think, you know, it's kind of one of those smitten moments like, you know, everyone she's probably interacted with is some royal, you know, pumped up, whatever. And we learn much later that Elaine is anything but (laughs) (laughs) proper and everything else like that, right? She's a little little redhead wild, you know, so – um, it, it's kind of interesting. I think that, uh, I can see that it has been kind of forced a little bit, but I can see that it can be played well too. You know, it could just be like one of those moments, you know, just caught everyone at the right time. And, uh, you know, who knows what it is. Um, do you, here, here's something I wonder two things. One, did Galad's parents hate him because his real name's Galadedrid? <laughs> Galadadrid, and two is Henry Henry Cavill playing Galad. 
Uh, I would say so. Yeah, I think that's the part that's made for him. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Uh, if you've seen The Witcher, right? Kind of like that kind of same. But uh, anyways, just a couple things. But no, I, I it, it was kind of an interesting part. I think it was cool to see everyone come in and get, you know, introduced this big batch of characters at once that that you seem to think is just some people along the travels and like two books, you're like, Oh, these are awesome people. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, an iconic meeting for the rest of the series. Um, I liked Gawain in this, uh, meeting that they had. He was, I think he took more of the side that I would take. So maybe that's why I don't really believe Elaine's reaction. I believe more with Gawain. He's like, he doesn't really trust him. But he doesn't give him a reason to distrust him. So it's like, okay, we'll go along with it and see what happens. I think that would be my perspective is like, okay, who is this guy? Oh, he's saying all the right things. He seems like he's a nice guy, but I don't know. I'm going to keep an eye on him type thing. So, so Galad, like we said, he showed up. He calls the guard um, and we see Talonvor. Um, I liked Talonvor from the beginning. And uh, he comes back later in the series, so I was glad when he showed up again. So Talonvor brings some more guards. They take him. They apprehend Rand. And they go, okay, we got to take him to see the queen. Um, she, I can't remember, did she just get done meeting Loghain or she was going to meet, you know, see Loghain? I don't think, I don't think she had met him yet. Okay. They were on their way to the palace. Yeah. So they bring her into Morgaze and it's like this, it's not the the main hall where she sees all the visitors. It's like this side hall that's smaller, more intimate. And they go in there and Elida's there, who's Red Aja, who's the queen's, or yeah, the queen's advisor, who's also an Aes Sedai. And then we learn that Morgaze trained at the tower, who has some ability as well. And then we also meet the captain general, Gareth Bryn, who's this one of the big generals in the land, who has this you know big reputation for being a great leader, a great war leader, great, great general. He's you know he's the guy you want on your side to fight the battles. So they're all there. All these big players are there. They bring in Rand. He's this country bumpkin. And one thing that everyone kind of says right off the bat, even going back to Loyal from the previous chapters, that they they think he's an Aiel. You know, they're like, he's tall, he's got red hair, he's got light eyes, he's got to be an Aiel. But he's like, no, I'm from the Two Rivers, never been outside of the Two Rivers till just now. Um, then also Gareth notices the Heron marked sword. And so then they're even more suspicious. Like, once they announce how he's got a Heron marked sword, all the guards react. They, like, grab their sword, like, okay, this guy's dangerous. Everyone from that point, you know, just because of the presence of the sword, like, oh, this guy's a bad dude. We got to keep an eye on him. Well, yeah, even Gareth Bryn, right? He stands closer to the queen and uh, and and such. So um, kind of let you know, like, how much Blade Masters were respected. Yep. So was Gareth Bryn one? Do you remember? I don't think he was. Huh. I don't remember reading that. Okay. So, yeah, there's this distrust for Rand, and Elida takes it more serious. Rand tells him his story, basically. He's 
pretty much truthful. He hides, he holds back a couple things. He doesn't tell him about Moraine because Moraine had mentioned that she didn't like the red Aja and they gentle men who can channel. So he didn't reveal that part. And I think a couple other things he didn't reveal, but for the most part, his, he told the truth and said this, I don't think he lied. He just didn't say the whole truth. And so there was that. And then during this meeting, Elida has a foretelling. So they were introduced to a foretelling for the first time. It's basically um, an Aes Sedai through the power. The one power can um, see the future and is a prophecy, basically. Um, so the I'll read it right here. It's, it's pretty important to <laughs> the rest of the series. It says She says, um, The dark one stirs in Sheol Ghul. The shadow lies across the pattern, and the future is balanced on the point of a pin. This one is dangerous. This I foretell and swear under the light that I can say no clearer. From this day, Andor marches toward pain and division. The shadow has yet to darken to its blackest, and I cannot see if the light will come after. Where the world has wept one tear, it will weep thousands. This I foretell. And then she continues, barely audible. This too I foretell. Pain and division come to the whole world, and this man stands at the heart of it. I obey the queen and speak it clearly. So, reading that, you're like, oh, that's that's pretty interesting. That's, you know, sounds like a lot of stuff is going to happen. But after reading this series a few times, um, so we'll talk spoilers here, so skip ahead a couple, a minute or two if you don't want spoilers, but um, for you, Mark, after we read the series a few times, is this pretty accurate foretelling, or how does it hold up now after reading the whole series and then now it's all been written? Yeah, I mean, I I think from here is when things start kind of going downhill, right? I mean, Elaine gets sent off, and Gawain gets sent off, and you know, Galad gets sent off to the White Tower. Um, Elaine goes missing. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, basically, gets kidnapped. And here is this country that starts going down this path and then Morgaze disappears. You know, basically Abdicotes are thrown in secrecy and uh, runs away because there's a Forsaken, you know, that's there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, yeah, this is, it's pretty right on and it's pretty vague. You know, what does that mean? Like, oh, I, I promised you this, uh, the darkness is spreading across the land. Well, I don't know what the crap you mean. What, is it going to be more you know, more people getting pickpocketed every day. I mean, what does that mean? Um, but in general, yeah, I think, you know, it was pretty spot on that um, this was a huge, I, I don't know the right word, right? A huge convergence, uh, you know, in the, in the pattern where Rand was put somewhere and the will is weaving something right there. And that's where it's starting and it explodes. Cause I mean, it, Everybody here has huge parts to play in the entire book. And, you know, maybe not so much Gawain because, you know, he's horrible. But but you know what I mean. So I wonder if uh, – I, I think it's true for sure. I just – it's also really vague. Yeah. And I liked it because it didn't give anything away. Like you read it for the first time and you're like, okay, that's interesting. There's going to be a lot of bad stuff coming. But it doesn't get down to specifics. Where if you, like with Min's foretellings or no, her, what do they call those? Min's um, vision? They're like, 
Yeah, I don't know, the viewings, viewings. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So her viewings are pretty specific. Like you can, it'll say something, and even though you don't know what it means at the time, it's pretty specific. And then when it happens, you're like, oh, yeah, Min talked about that. Or if you do a reread, you're like, yep, that happens later on. Yep. So it's very specific. And this is, like you said, it's pretty vague, but true. I mean, this stuff happens. So they decide to let, first they were going to imprison Rand, and he ends up talking him out of it. And they, Elaine advocates for him. And so they decide to let him go. And Elaine and Talonvor and Rand and uh, Gawain escort him out. And on the way out, Elaine tells him that she thinks he's handsome. So he's like, oh, you know, the queen, the daughter heir of the queen thinks I'm handsome. That's a pretty big boost of confidence. I, I kind of liked that part. That part didn't seem forced. I thought it was, it was good. But um, yeah, Gawain's there and he escorts him out too. So that's the end of that chapter. Chapter 41, Old Friends and New Threats. Chapter icon is a staff. Point of view is Rand again. And back at the Queen's Blessing. And Rand, Matt, uh, Master Basil Gill, and then Loyal, who's, who's there. Then we're reintroduced or reunited, I guess, with Moraine, Lan, Perrin, Nynaeve, and Egwin. They make it back. So my favorite thing about this chapter was the, you know, the group's finally reunited uh, after a few days. I don't know. How long do you think it was? Was it a week, two, three days? How long were they there? Probably about a week now, right? Because they were they were in Camelin for a couple days before they arrived. And then probably about a week. I mean, I don't know. It's so hard to say. I'm sure you can weed it out through the many chapters of them running through the stupid forest, but <laughs> Yeah. Seven, maybe ten days. So not not a long time, but long enough they haven't seen each other for a bit after being with each other every day for about a week. Uh, so yeah, they, they reunited. Um, everyone's um, happy to see each other, but Moraine, she's like, where's Matt? And they go up and she sees the dagger and she immediately knows what's going on. That he has the something, he took something from Shadar Logoth and he actually tries to stab her with it. But the last minute she's able to block it and, most of the chapters spent, um, you know, with Moraine upstairs in the room. She shoes everyone out, and Moraine tries to heal Matt. And then everybody else goes goes downstairs. They end up um, meeting Loyal. So this is kind of a, a chapter that bridges the gap, um, but it does have, you know, the important part of everyone meeting up again. We also learn in this chapter that um, a lot of there's Trollocs and Fades around Camelin. You know, Lan confirms um, that there's a lot of Trollocs gathered there. So he knows something's up. He knows they got to come up with a way to get out of there without them seeing everybody so they don't can keep following them. Um, so that comes into play in, a little, in the next chapter. So. Chapter 42, Remembrance of Dreams. Chapter icon is two ravens. Point of view is Rand, still at the Queen's Blessing, and still the same group of people. 
Rand, Matt, Loyal, Maureen, Lan, Perrin, Nynaeve, and Egwene. So um, at this point, uh, Moraine and Matt come back down. Um, Matt looks a little better. He's still a little jittery, and he ha- he's holding the dagger. It's in his coat pocket, inside coat pocket or something. You know, he's hiding it, and but he still has this dependency on, on this dagger from Shadar Logoth. And Moraine says that she wasn't able to sever the ties, but they'll have to do that in Tarvalin later. Um, but he's healthy for now. It'll a short reprieve for him. Um, so the, at this point they start talking about, um, this, these experiences that they had where Loyal's part of the story was that someone came to the steading, um, at the end of the Io war and talked about the dark one trying to blind the eye of the world. And this, that's when parents like, Oh yeah. When we were hanging out with the tinkers, um, one of the tinkers told a story about an Aiel maiden coming to them. They were attacked, and um, I think by Trollocs or some shadow spawn. And um, this tinker or this Aiel escaped and found the tinkers and pretty much told them the same thing. And then also in this chapter, the boys begrudgingly tell Moraine about the dreams that they're having about Baalzaman. And I think he had mentioned that he was going to try and do something similar, you know, blind the eye of the world or do something like that. So it all comes out this, this plan of the, of the dark one. And so at this point, uh, Loyal's like, Oh, these, these boys are Taviran. So we, I don't, had we heard this term before this chapter, as far as, as it pertains to Matt Rand and Perrin, or is this, is this the first time? I can't remember. For being Taviran? Yeah, for being called Taviran. Uh, well, for all three of them, yeah, but I, th- um, Rand and Loyal had talked about it before when they very first met. Right. Okay, yeah. So Loyal says, oh, they're all Taviran, and Moraine says, yep, yeah, I think so. Um, so they're, they come up with the plan at this time that ends up being the rest of the book, the because up to this point, their plan was to get to Camelin and then go to Tarvalin for protection. And after this meeting and hearing these stories and hearing about the dreams the boys are having, uh, they they need to go to the Blight, which is far, far north of where they're at. And they need to find the green man who's guarding the eye of the world. And so uh, they need to get to him, warn him, or offer protection or something. But then they realize, well, we can't escape because there's Trollocs outside of the city. And they'll see us, they'll kill us, or at least attack us, stuff. So they come up with the solution to go travel the ways. Go through a way gate that's in Camelin. And Loyal knows how to do it, but he's not hot on doing that at all. Um, and we find out why later. But um, And he says he's not going to do it. Well, we do hear about Jane Far- Fairstrider, that um, oh, he was the man. I forgot that. Jane Far- Fairstrider is the one that came to the steading and told the, the Ogier about how the Dark One is trying to blind the eye of the world. So, Yeah, and he, it's kind of weird. I, I have a hard time understanding his story, Jane Farstrider's yeah. story, 
Like, was he good? Was he bad? Was he someone kind of that got mixed up in bad things and then couldn't escape? But, uh, yeah, um, yeah, he came and he gave the, the story about, you know, like the dark ones trying to blind the eye of the world. And you don't even know what that means, but Moiraine knows what it means, right? She's fully – like she understands the thing. She's like, oh, we, we can't go. We've got to head north. And so I, do you think she knows – do you think she knew it resided in this, uh, you know, where they were going um, to, I don't even remember what it's called, but do you know, do you think she, she knew it was there or do you think she knew she had to go there to find the answer where it was? I think, I think she knew it was there because she had been there before she had gone and found the green man and talked to him. Yeah. So she and the knew green- it was there. And the green man, like, what does he just give you correct information? I can't remember, like, in your greatest time of need or something, like, and he'll find you. But I don't, like, does he give you, like, the right answer? Because, I mean, we we find out later what the green man is and, and everything. So it's not like he knows. Yeah, I don't remember. Because everyone, they try to go and find him and talk to him. But I don't, I don't remember why they would do that. We know why this group would do that because they're trying to find the eye of the world. But why would they go there? Like, why did Moraine go there in the first place, the first time? Mm-hmm. I don't remember that part. But um, maybe I don't know. So, but she knew because she had been there before. She had talked to him. Um, I think a couple other Aes Sedai as well had gone there, so they they kind of knew what was there. But they couldn't use the eye of the world because they're female eyes today. Yeah, that's true. All right, chapter 43, Decisions and Apparitions. Uh, the chapter icon is Dragon's Fang, which is usually associated with dark friends. Point of view is Rand, location still at the Queen's Blessing, and the same group of characters. So they talk more about the ways. Um, Doyle tells them it's dangerous. Um, people go in, don't come out the same. There was an ogier who went in, and when he came out, he couldn't talk. He, you know, just basically was a vegetable, was what it sounded like, and he eventually died sooner than he was supposed to because of that. So, dangerous place. Used to be a, a, a place where everyone could go and travel long distances. Like there was the way gate, they'd go in. And they'd be able to go long distances in a short amount of time. But ever since the breaking of the world, since the ways were created by the the power, the one power, the when the breaking of the world happened and the men went mad, this also affected the ways. So, and we hear about uh, the dark wind, Machin Shin drives people crazy and that's the because they tried to use it during the war of the hundred years and people kept disappearing or coming out of the ways as crazy due to this uh, dark wind but they decided to chance it because they're running out of time they got to get there as fast as they can and you know they end up making that decision on in this chapter we also learn learn how Rand, he tells the group, especially Egwene, about how he met Elaine, the queen. 
her and uh, Nynaeve think he's just telling stories that, you know, they also saw Loghain and they don't believe him. But Egwene's a little jealous because, like, well, maybe he did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was, that was in- interesting. That was entertaining. Uh, then later on in this chapter, at the end of the chapter, they have another dream about Balzamon, the dark one. Um, in the dream, there's three figures, the the clay figures, one with a wolf, one with a dagger, one with a sword. Um, and he tries to break the figures, and he ends up getting his finger getting stabbed by the sword, and it's bleeding. Then he wakes up, and his finger's bleeding. So, is this spoiler uh, territory here, just to warn you? But is this uh, Teleron Rioid, the Dream World? Do you think that he's that they're meeting Balzaman in? Because it has that same properties, same kind of feel to it. We don't know. And that's a question that's been asked. And the only thing that really said was when Rand, in the very last book, Memory of Light, Rand goes and talks to Moradin. And they're sitting there talking kind of like, because they know who each other are, right? Their souls remember each other. And so they recognize each other. And Rand says, you know, how, how did you figure out the, you know, how did you pull us in the dreams at the beginning? I could never figure that out. And Morden doesn't answer him. So we don't really know what it is. Is it a dream, like a weird dream spike thing? Is it a, um, is he pulling him in Tel Aaron Riyadh? Is he, um, it doesn't say. And I don't know if Morden actually knows either. Um, but, so we don't know. But it's not, it's not normal. Obviously, Rand doesn't think it was Tel you know, Aaron Riyadh. Riyadh for him to get in his dreams, but there was some connection that allowed them to do that. And and it's weird because after this, after like Rand is recognized as who he is, Perrin and Matt never have that problem again. Just Rand. And so it's like there's a connection between them that allows it. Now why that connection existed between those three at the beginning, I have no idea. Um, and then why I mean, here's two other major players in the game, and yet you're just going to leave their dreams alone just because you found Rand? I mean, I, I don't understand it. So I I just I think it might have just been one of those things <laughs> in the end that Robert Jordan started writing and never fully explained and nobody knew. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what ended up happening too. Because that, that end, there, that scene in the end book, that, that's a perfect opportunity for Morden to just say, yeah, <laughs> or no, or no, this, you know, a couple sentences to explain, and he didn't. So it does lead you to believe that eh, they they just never really figured it out, or maybe he was going to explain it, but then it was never in his notes. So mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Rand even wards his dreams later, but nobody wards those two dreams, you know, so it's just kind of strange. I mean, I guess Perrin was protected by... um the wolves, right? And maybe that was part of it was with the fox had protected um, Matt. I don't know. But for whatever reason, uh, he did it. And nobody, nobody really knows how. I, I, I don't know how either. It's just – it's contrary to everything that we're taught about, you know, like entering in people's dreams and stuff. It doesn't follow the same rules. So I don't think it was necessarily that way. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, later on when the, the 
rules of the dream world are explained and established that you can't enter people's dreams easy like that like he does he just seems to pop in every once in a while and they can leave or get pushed out but that's not the rules as later explained mm-hmm. all right so then uh moraine comes in and wakes him up says time to go uh it's chapter 44 the dark along the ways the chapter icon is three leaves on a branch the point of view is rand again Setting is Camelin and the Ways. They enter the Ways for the first time. Then the characters are the same group. So. so they end up getting prepared. They get out, get their horses and cut through some back alleys through town. And they end up going to a building and then down into the basement. And that's where the, the way gate is. And Loyal had explained earlier that Way gates were always in a steading, or you know, surrounded by trees and everything. So it's it's interesting that this is in a, a basement of a building in the middle of a city. And they they talk about that how at one point that was the case, but then they cut down all the trees and you know built the rest you know the the town on top of the steading as it grew and expanded. But they couldn't destroy the way gate. It was something you. You couldn't really destroy easily. So they they enter the ways. They open the door. There's a, a key, a tree leaf key that they got to use, move from one place to another place that opens the door. And they look in, and there's a mirror. Usually the mirror is, is shiny. Um, it's not necessarily a, like a glass mirror, but it's a substance that's reflective, so it looks like a mirror. And in... Back in the day, when the ways were healthy, it was a shiny mirror that was bright, and you could see yourself. But now it's murky, and it's dark. And so they have to walk into the reflection through the this mirror, and then they're in the ways. And inside the ways, time's different. It's, it's Yeah, it seems like it goes faster. That's why you can travel great distances in a short amount of time. And so they would enter, they'd look back, and they could see their friends out on the other side, and they were moving slow, and then they entered the the mirror, and then they kind of popped out, and they were back to normal speed. So they get in there, and it's all dark. When in the past, it was a lot brighter. They had lanterns and everything. So um, there's, you know, there's pathways that go from the gates to a, a guiding stone, which is a map of the ways to tell you where to go. If you want to go to Tarvalon, you take this route. If you want to go to somewhere else, you Valdara, for example, you take this route. So they, Loyal was able to read the way, the guiding stone and figure out which way to go. And then there's a pathway that take him to, there's a bridge actually that takes him to a stone island. And then from that stone island, there's other bridges that go to another stone island and so on and so forth. That's So that's kind of the structure. And at every stone island, there's another guiding stone that would tell you, hey, if you want to go here, take this route, and so on and so forth. But uh, the creepy thing about the, the ways is that there's nothing holding these islands up or these bridges up. They're just kind of suspended in the air. And if you were to look under them, there's, you wouldn't see anything. And you can't see the bottom. So I think they talked about how they kicked a rock off the edge or something. And 
They never heard it hit the bottom. It was just this endless fall. So you never wanted to to jump off or step off the edge. So they end up spending a couple days in the ways. They're on their horses. It's dark. They have they have their lanterns, but it's very muted. You can't see very far ahead. Where in the past, back when the ways were healthy, you could. So it's just kind of this creepy, dark, spooky area that they have to travel. And they, um, some of the bridges are broken, and so they have to find another way. And then they just, while they're in there, they end up sleeping on these stone islands where there used to be grass and some foliage, but now there's nothing. It's just dirt. (laughs) Would you sleep in there? I'd be like, no, we can keep going. Yeah, I know. I'd just go till we got there. I wouldn't want to take a nap or take a sleep. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they portray these ways, right, in a, in a movie, because we don't really know much about them. They've been mentioned a few times, but it'll be interesting to see what they make of it, you know, as far as, like, what what it's going to look like. Um, I uh, The only thing I think that we really have uh, as point of reference what this could look like is – like when in Lord of the Rings, when they go into the mines of Moria, right? That kind of idea. But it, it, it'll be interesting. The ways have a lot of uh, weirdness about it. I, I question I always had, and this is a little spoilerish. Do the ways exist or do the ways get better after the cleansing? Yeah, I think, I think they did address that. Because there was that short story that Brandon Sanderson released uh, recently that talks, it was a cut scene basically from the last book. They couldn't make it work because of just the logistics of everything and how the story evolved. But Perrin and Gaul go back into the ways to, you know, take a shortcut basically. And it was the same. I don't... I don't think Machin Shin was there. No, definitely not, right? Because uh, Machin Shin was released by Patton Fane. He, like, absorbed it. Yeah, well, yeah, so it was still dark and spooky in the last book, or at least it was supposed to be, so I don't think it changed. Not initially. Maybe over time it did. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember. I'll have to reread that short story again. So, but I liked the ways. I the concept is interesting. The the setting is, you know, it's mysterious, it's spooky. You're like, "Oh no, where what's going to happen?" You're totally drawn into the story at that point. Um so I like the idea and I think it solved one of the big problems that could really bog down this story, which I think did affect um like the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit is they had to travel everywhere on foot or on horse, right? So that can get kind of long and boring. Um, But I think with the way, they use the ways and other forms similar to the ways a lot from from here on out. So I wonder if, like halfway through the story, Robert Jordan's like, I got to come up with something else. I can't write chapters of them writing, like you said, through the forest. (laughs) That's going to take forever for this story to get resolved. So I wonder if he came up with that as a, a fix or if that was always in the plans. Because there was a way gate in um, the two rivers. And that's, we learn, even I think it's in the next chapter or two, that that's how the Trox got there um, to 
the two rivers is through the way gate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I always just wondered about that. Not that it really matters, but I did like how all of a sudden, okay, <laughs> they traveled from Camelot all the way to the Blights, basically, you know, just a couple, a chapter or two instead of 20. Well, yeah. And I mean, and it kind of makes sense, right? When you read, Robert Jordan really loved uh, George, R., uh, George R. R. Martin, forgive me, uh, <laughs> um, Tolkien. And when you read Tolkien's books, that's exactly what they're like, you know, like just senseless chapters on chapters. Uh, but um, yeah, it's interesting that Machin Chin, Mashadar, and uh, Shaitan's power. All they kind of confuse me because they're bad, they're evil, but they're not evil on the same team. They're like opposing evil. And then Patton Fane somehow becomes his own power of evil. So you have like these four opposing powers, and Patton Fane absorbs the other two. And so it's like I don't know. I've said this time and time again. This this is totally a spoiler. Give me ten seconds. I think that, that that was bungled. Yeah. Yeah. I think if I were to change one thing at the ending of the book, it'd be Pat and Fane. Everything else. I, ac- I actually thought there'd be a showdown between Pat and Fane and that Midril. Oh, the Shadow Haran? Yeah. Yeah. I thought those two were going to have a throwdown. And instead, Shadow Haran is like some husk that you never saw what was uh, what it was, and Pattinson came in and died. I'm like, what? What? Yeah, I agree. It could have been another page or two is all, really, with a character that important that was there from the beginning, from chapter one, basically, chapter two, maybe. You gotta, he was such a major part of the whole story, you gotta take him out with justice with a you know a good story ending yeah That's all right sorry tangent over <laughs> yeah. i will go on that tangent throughout the entire throughout every book so just so you know yeah all right so that's chapters 39 through 44 book one of the eye of the world next up will be chapters 45 through 49 and we'll be talking about how the group's still in the ways. There, there's a new threat in there that we'll be introduced to. We've mentioned uh, the Dark Wind, so we'll learn more about that. They make it to Faldara, which is close to the Blight. We meet a new group of people, the Borderlanders, who some of my favorite groups in the, in the whole series. really like them and their culture. And um, yeah, so... Then, then they leave for the blight. So a lot of good stuff coming up in the, the next few chapters. We, we get to meet Ingtar, who's one of my all-time favorite characters uh, in the entire series. Um, I think he's, if you have to say who's the most underrated character of, of the book, Ingtar would be number one for me. Yeah, I liked him too. He had a good, good run there. And we learn more about Lan and his, his backstory, which is pretty cool. So a lot of mm-hmm. good stuff coming up. Definitely join us on our next episode, which will be episode nine. And so we want to thank you guys for joining us again here on the, the fourth to Viren as we reviewed these last few chapters, 39 through 44. Uh, if you have any questions, definitely 
send us an email or find us on Twitter, the fourth Taviran on Twitter and just credible nerds on Instagram, Facebook, send us an email, credible nerds at gmail.com. And we'll read your question, read your comments, uh, probably read it on an episode. So we like listener feedback. We've done that in the past. So definitely reach out to us. Um, if you have any suggestions or there's a topic you want us to cover, um, let us know. We'll be talking about the ways at some point, as well as Band of the Red Hand or uh, the Blights or, you know, just different topics, different groups uh, in the Wheel of Time. We'll be doing some episodes just about those. We have done a, a few in the past with the Breaking of the World and the Aes Sedai and um, the Queens of Andor. So we keeping that uh, little series going as well so thanks for again for joining us here on the fourth of Aaron. and the will weaves as the will wills see you guys